I'll say now so I don't forget at the end of the service. When service is over, I know we usually you know, went into the lobby and we would fellowship. Well, we still want the fellowship to go on, but just do it inside here. And uh, I don't think we have a hall. Oh, you can go out this door and go down the hall and fellowship or go out that door and go down the hall and fellowship. Or you can just fellowship in here. And uh, we're glad you're here and excited about what's happening. Uh, Hopefully we will be done with our construction. The plan is uh, everything to be finished by the end of the month. So we're excited about that and hope you are as well. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Philippians uh, chapter 1 and verse 6. And the topic that I'm speaking on this morning is, throw it up guys, under construction. So say it with me, under construction. Did you ever notice how that when uh, there is construction going on, how many of you have ever had somebody uh, working on your home while you were living in it? Well, it was being, anybody wave your hand high so I can see you. You know what that's like, you know, where you put up the plastic and you're, you know, you're confident at the beginning of the project that no sheetrock dust will come through. Never happens. So then, then sometimes, you know, we can get a little uh, anxious about the project and, you know, it seems like it's taken longer than I want it to and, and I'm, I'm just ready for it to be done and, you know, and it, it needs to be over. Does that relate to anybody? Well, one thing I've learned that when something is under construction, you have to have some patience to be able to get it complete. And so if you would take a look at this picture, this is uh, the Sagrada uh, Antonio Gaudi's Basilica. It started, construction began on this in 1882, and it's not done yet. 1882, and it's not done yet. That's 140 years, and it still isn't finished. They're projecting that in 2026, but word is that now that date's not good, that it's going to get pushed back further. But now take a look at it. It's, it's a beautiful building, isn't it? And how many of you want to wait 140 years for something? <laughs> so, <laughs> whenever they start, whoever started that is not alive anymore. That, you know, the congregation that decided that they wanted to build this isn't even alive now. So everybody say, under construction. <laughs> but it's a beautiful building. And take a look at this one. This is called the Harp Concert Hall. This is in Iceland. This thing was made in such a unique way so that it would catch light and reflect it. And, it, it, you know, it, it takes time for things like that to take place and happen. And, and the, so those were constructions, construction projects that took some time. Everybody say some time. Now, here's, here's where we tie in. How many of you realize that you are still under construction? That you are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, if you will. And the, unless, unless there's somebody here that God's all finished with. Anybody? Anybody that's already got, I mean, is there anybody in here that can raise their hand and say, hey, it's done, it's perfected, it don't get no better than this. 
Now, God's still working on us, right? And so the question is, is do we want God to continue to work on us? See, when you're under construction, it's important that you're able to trust the builder. How many of you, when you got ready to do a building project, started looking for recommendations of someone that you could trust? If you, if you find a builder that you can trust, then you hang on to that number. You make sure to let everybody else know about them because at the end of the day, you want a building that you can rely on, right? Now listen to this, Philippians 1 and 6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Did you pick that up? It's not done until he comes back. <laughs> until it's finally, it does, it, you're, he's not done with you until either you go to meet him or he comes to meet you. It, it's, he, he's still working on us. So everybody say, would you just stand up for a second if you would, just stand up. If, you, if you're too tired to stand up, just lay down. Just. <laughs> But if, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person standing next to you. Look at him and go like this. And, and just say, say this with me. What do you think? What do you think? See, the, the, the truth is, okay, you can be seated. Some of you are enjoying that too much. <laughs> so, so what are you saying? I'm saying that, look, that don't judge me where I'm at because he's not finished yet. He's still working on me. And, and so as long as I recognize that I am a work in progress, then it's going to help me be able to live my life for God because I recognize that this time next year, I'm going to be further along than I am right now. If you think I look good now, you wait till next year. <laughs> You, this is the whole point is it's like with God, every day should be getting better and he's building us and he's making us and he's drawing us closer to him. The idea is for us to begin to look more and more like him, right? Somebody say it with me, under construction. I, th I thought about Noah. God tells Noah to build an ark, right? Now, you got any idea how, how big the ark was God tells Noah to build? The ark, let, let's take a look at that picture. That ark, they, they, they replicated this in Kentucky. Now, here they used a cubic measurement of 20.4 inches. A cubit is the measurement from your elbow to the tip of your longest finger. Most commentators took that measurement at 18 inches. I think in the last service I said 15, it was 18 inches. At 18 inches, which would, where we get the length of 450 feet long. But here, they said that they believe that it was the royal cubit. And the royal cubit was somewhere between 18 and 20.8 inches or 22 inches, depending on who you're reading. And so what they did is they calculated this at 20.4 inches. That arc is 510 feet long. It's 85 feet wide, and it's 51 feet high. Now, it took them years to do that with heavy equipment, with cranes and, and bulldozers and, you know, and, and, and uh, I can't even think of 
backhoes, scaffolding. Can you imagine Noah and God saying, Noah, I want you to build it? He, he told, not only did he tell him to build an ark, he told him what to use to build it, how to build it, and how big it was supposed to be. Now, I want you to fathom being given a project like that when there's no Lowe's to call to deliver lumber. Uh, excuse me, I need you to deliver me 1.2 million board feet of lumber. Oh, what is that? You want three stories in it? It's going to take a little bit more. <laughs> and so trying to calculate that, that, this guy has got a project in front of him that's going to consume a hundred years of his life. A hundred years of his life. Now, Noah lived to be 960, so... Well, 100 years, nothing when you live that long, right? 100 years focused on one project. How many of you ladies wish you could get your husband focused on one project for a week? <laughs> I think Donna's hand flew plumb out of the... Just so, so here, now, now think about what it takes to do this. He has to cut down the tree. He has to cut the length of the tree. He has to get cut off. Once the tree comes down, he's got to cut off all the branches and the limbs. They don't come in two bys. He's got to put it together. Can you fathom, you know, 51 feet up in the air? I mean, think about you. You know, he gets, he's got his boys, and they're getting the first row on, and then it gets up, you know, to where they're, oh, man, this is hard. Get it up, and then, Dad, how, how, how tall did you say God said this boat was? Can you fathom trying to draw logs up? How did they do that? They got to develop some type of a hoist system. They got pulling logs up 50 feet up in the air from the bottom of that. Committed to the project. After he got it done, he had to paint it with pitch. Everybody say pitch. You know what that's like, right? It's kind of like tar. I was in Trinidad, and they have tar pits over there. We took everybody over to see the tar pits. It was beautiful. Drove for like three hours, got out in the middle of a field, and I said, where are the tar pits? They said, you're looking at it. I said, what? They said, yeah, we walked out, and there's, there's this under the water, there's tar. And they say, you stick your hand underneath the water and get with that tar, and it's not sticky at all. Just move it around until you bring your hand out of the water. I didn't know that. I stuck my hand down there. I'm messing with that tar. I thought, look, that stuff doesn't even stick. Pulled my hand out. Man, I had tar all over my hand. Couldn't get it off. I'm, oh, my goodness, sticking my hand back in the water. Come on, come on. Do you know what? I'm just trying to give you a concept of what he went through to build that boat. Why would he do it? 
because he trusted God. He believed that God, what God was telling him to do, had a reason behind it, even when he didn't understand all the reasoning. You say, but it's going to rain. It had never rained in the history of the earth up until it flooded that time. The ground was watered by a mist that came up out of it. Noah is believing God to do something that's never been done before. How about you? Oh, man, it got quiet. I said, how about you? Are you believing God to do something that's never been done before? Look, I'm believing God to do things in my life that have never been done before. I'm believing God to do things in your life that have never been done before. But we have to be committed to the project. Noah was committed to it. Day in and day out. His day wasn't over when they got done finishing, you know, putting up wood. He had to sharpen his saws. He had to make sure that everything was ready for the next day. You know why he's so focused on this? Because he knows that not only does his life depend on it, his family's life depends on it. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Your life depends on your willingness to trust God. Your family's life depends on your willingness to trust and obey God. Any of you ever have any trouble trusting and obeying? <laughs> I mean, how many of you have ever had problems? How many of you, well, never mind. I started to ask parents how many had problems with their kids, but never mind. We've got to trust and obey. Everybody say, trust him. But he knows it's going to be worth it. You know, if, if Noah had been around when Paul wrote this passage, I believe it would have held a dear place in his heart. In Ephesians 2 and 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. The only reason that construction project is even going on is because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In a world that had nothing to do with God, in a world that wanted nothing to do with God, in a world that had turned their back completely on God, Noah refused to. He didn't care what his friends were doing. He didn't care what the neighbors were doing. Noah was going to hold on to God no matter what. How about you? Come on, how, how, how much are we influenced by our friends? When I got saved, man, folks came up to me and they looked at me and they said, Rick, what has something happened to you? I said, let me tell you about it. <laughs> let me tell you what's, because when you get transformed, when God really, when you find grace in the eyes of the Lord, it'll not only change your life, it'll change and impact the lives of everybody around you. Grace. Everybody say, under construction. Now listen to what Paul goes on to say. He said that this isn't by works lest any man should boast. What God's done for us is his grace. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. It's what he did for us. And finally, this last passage. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, let me put that in plain English. He said, we're, we're his masterpiece. And God created us for us to do good works. 
that he ordained for us to do. What's Jesus say? He said, let your light so shine before men that they will what? They'll see your what? Your good works and glorify who? Him. <laughs> and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What's happening? He's saying, it's how I reflect myself in you. It's how I show myself to the world through you. So I'm working on you so you can work on them. <laughs> I'm working on you so yeah, it's kind of like the copper top. What what are you talking about? Your flashlight is absolutely no good at all unless you got some juice in it. And so he created us, but now he's saying, I want to put some juice in you. I, 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 want, to, I want to juice you up. I, I want to get your life to the point that you're reflecting who I am through the work that you do. Weren't you excited to get up and come to church today? You can't wait to get out of here and go tell somebody about Jesus, right? I'm going to tell nobody about it. I'm going to McDonald's. Be the first one in line, get my fish. I, you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, when you recognize the, per, the reason you're here, the project that he's got going on in your life is about your life having an impact on other lives and reflecting who he is through your actions. How many of you've ever, how many of your actions have ever reflected who he is? Wait, wave your hand if you've sure, right? How many of you have ever, how many of you have ever had your re actions reflect who you are? How many of you have ever had your actions reflect who the devil is? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you'd heard that the devil made me do it. <laughs> And, and so what happens is it's, there's this battle that goes on for ownership. Remember what Psalm said. Hundred chapter, third verse. For it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. He owns us. Somebody say it, he owns us. Come up here, run up here real quick. This is my wife. I own her. She just whispered in my ear, no, you don't. Oh, yes, I do. What are you saying? I'm saying, man, before you get to her, you're going to have to come through me. Oh, you all for that. Go, go have a seat, would you? Because that's exactly how we act sometimes, isn't it? I, I, I own her. No, you don't. I'm going to take care of you. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> See, we, we want God to take care of us, but we don't want him to own us. We want to do our own thing, float our own boat, make our own way. That's not how this works. He said that it is he that's made us and not we ourselves. We are under construction. Think about Abraham. Abraham, it was Abraham believing God that caused God to promise Abraham he was going to establish him a house. Did Abraham ever see it? No. Did Abraham, well, he, he had a kid when he was 100 years old, 
But one child is a long way from multiplying your descendants like the sands of the sea or the stars of heaven. But Abraham didn't have to see it to believe it because he trusted God. And because of that, because Abraham was built on that foundation, there were others came that began to lay on that foundation. His son Isaac believed it, stood on that promise. Jacob believed it and stood that promise until where we're at today and they're still believing that promise. Faith establishes the foundation. Listen to Hebrews 11 and 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. I love this verse. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder... And maker is God. What was Abraham saying? Abraham was saying, God, I know you've got something for me that's bigger than I can see right now, but I'm going to spend my life looking for it. I'm going to spend my life searching for it. Years ago, there were treasure hunt. Well, they, you know, they have treasure hunters. I think they even have done some shows on treasure hunters. And I remember in particular a man that had sought for a treasure that was sunken off the coast of Florida, and he had spent years of his life, and man had, I mean, just hocked himself up to his eyeballs trying to find this treasure, and it seemed like he would never find it. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's in harbor. They, they think that they, have, that they have located the spot and he's in harbor with a ship. His kids are on that ship. A storm came up, and it capsized the ship with the kids on it, their boat. They tied themselves to their bunk beds trying to hold them up so they would not drown. But when they came the next morning, his children were all gone. Consequently, he found the treasure, $400 million dollars, worth of gold but it really didn't mean anything now because the ones that he was searching for the treasure for weren't there to enjoy it hear me don't spend your life searching for treasure that where moth and rust can corrupt where thieves can break through and steal but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven <laughs> where the thief can't reach <laughs> Where it's never, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't fade away. And then you're leaving something for your children. I, I want to make sure that my life counts for something. So what are you talking about? I, I spend, I, I remember that scripture where Paul said, I fear lest after having preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. I don't want to just go through life and go through the motions of it. I want to make sure that when I leave this walk of life, that somebody's going to be able to say, he had an impact on my life. He's the cause that I'm following Christ today. He said something that changed me. He shared a word that transformed me. 
God help us to recognize that this is about more than us. This is about everyone around us. And God has so much confidence in us. He's saying, I'm going to make an investment. Here's a problem. God has confidence in us, but sometimes we have trouble having confidence in ourselves. God wants to do something through us, but sometimes we, all we see is our inability. And we're pointing out to God why he can't do that. I can't, I, I can't do that, God. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, you can't expect me. You want me to do what? You want me to witness to someone? But God, I just had an argument. You, you, you want me to go share? You, you want me to tell somebody about your love? You want me to tell that person that just cut me off in traffic about how good your mercy is? I was going to show him some wrath, God. You, and we keep looking at our insufficiencies and our inabilities instead of trusting God. You know, we're not the first ones that have ever done that. You recognize that, don't you? There's some folks that did that before we did. As a matter of fact, one guy that did it was the most celebrated person in the Old Testament had probably the biggest impact of anyone in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, his impact was so huge that when it came to describing Jesus, they said that Jesus was going to be a prophet like this man. His name was Moses. But let's take a look at Moses' conversation with God. Exodus 4 and 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or not? Who, do the, who, who decides who... who wait, let me start that over. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to have to trust God for this. <laughs> Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. He said, get out there, man. You know what Moses said? God, isn't there anybody else you can send? Read the scripture. That's what he says. Please, God, just send someone else, anybody else, not me. To the point that God got angry. The Bible said that God got, was angry with Moses. Why? And I don't even think Moses recognized it at the time. God is angry with Moses not because Moses is concerned about his insufficiency. He's angry because Moses doesn't believe God's bigger than his insufficiency. He said, I'll be with you. I'll do this. You see, the devil does this to us all the time. He gets you focused on what you can't do instead of focusing on what he can do. And when you begin to let your insufficiency or your inability become bigger than God, what God do? Well, he just slapped me. No. <laughs> Let me show you what God did. God looked at Moses, and, and, and I mean, this is after he told him, he said, I'm going to be with you. Well, I can't do it, I can't do it. He said, all right, look, your brother Aaron can speak well. 
He's on his way here to see you. He's going to be happy when he sees you. So this is what's going to happen. You're not getting off the hook, Moses. I'm going to talk to you, and you're going to talk to Aaron, and Aaron's going to talk to Pharaoh. You're not getting out of it. Hear what I'm saying. No matter how much you keep holding up your inability to God, God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is, oh, somebody hear what I'm saying today. The devil wants you to buy in to the fact that you can't, but God's saying you're more than enough when I'm with you. You are under construction. Somebody say he's not done yet. It makes it difficult for the contractor to do his job if we keep questioning his ability to do it. So anybody in the construction world ought to shout amen. You ever have somebody hire you out to do something and they're out there on the hour checking to make sure you're doing it right they don't have a clue how to do it at all. <laughs> they're, but they're pointing it out. Just, you sure you ought to be doing that? That don't look right to me. That don't, oh, did you, do you want to climb up here and do it? No, no, I'm not, don't get offended. <laughs> See, let me share something with you. Don't hire somebody you don't have confidence in. I'm not going to ask somebody to build my house if I don't think they could build a birdhouse. <laughs> I, I want to know that I can trust the one that's doing the building. How many of you know you can trust him? <laughs> oh, let me, let me put it this way. How many of you in here trust God? Put your hands together if you trust God. If you trust God, put, put your hands together. Now, do it, do, put your hands together according to how much you trust him. So, if you trust him a little bit, you know. But, I mean, if you really, if you really trust him, just let him know it. Okay. Okay, now that you trust him, let him use you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That was a trick question. I didn't know that was coming. Look, if... if If you can trust him with your children's lives, you can trust him with your life. If you, if you can trust that God has a plan and a purpose for your child, then you ought to be able to trust that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Because you're never going to get your children to believe that God's got something for them if you don't believe he's got something for you. Somebody say, well, somebody looks at me and says, well, Brother Rick, you don't look like you're all that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm under construction. He's not done yet. Just live for another 200 years and you'll see what he's done in my life. 200 years. I'm going to keep on living after I'm gone. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not passing from the scene, folks. I'm going to keep on living. See, here's the deal. We think we're supposed to just be here for the 70 or 80 or 90 years, whatever it is allotted to us, and then we go and we float around on a cloud. 
I don't like sitting in a chair. I'm surely not going to want to be floating around on some cloud. What are you saying? I'm saying he saved you for purpose. Not just in this life, but in the next life. The scripture says that we are going to rule and reign with him. So if, if you're having trouble trusting him here, you may be carrying my stuff when we get there. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying, look, you've got to believe that God can use you here and now so he can use you there and then. <laughs> Just, Marty, stand up a second, would you? Just stand up. Turn around, let everybody see you. Now, now, everybody all the way around, turn back around to me. And I want you to say this with me. Folks, I was a mess. Thank you. You can sit down. Everybody knows that. Now, no, 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 wait. See, you think I'm picking on Marty. Here's what everybody knows. Everybody knows that we were all a mess. That we all were messed up. That we all, there's not anybody. How many of you in here were born perfect? If you stand up, you just proved my case. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying that we all need him. We've all got to have him. That we're, we're undone and lost on our own. But here's the good news. He does not give up on us. He keeps working on us and molding us and making us. Do you know what? That he just kept on working on Moses until finally Moses got to the place that he didn't have to have Aaron speak for him. Moses got confidence. Uh, he began to get a relationship with God that, that gave him the confidence to, to believe that God could use his mouth. Uh, and when he came off that mountain and saw that golden calf, he didn't need anybody to interpret for him. He looked at Aaron, and Aaron was the one doing the stuttering then. Aaron's the one that's having trouble then. He said, what did this people do to you that made you act like that? Oh, you know these folks, you know these Moses. I don't, don't blame it on me. I mean, they all came to me that you didn't show. You were up there for so long. They said, you know, that you're gone, and they wanted, they, they wanted me to, you know, <laughs> Moses. I, I took their golden earrings, I threw it in a fire, and this golden calf popped out. That's what he said. But that's not what happened. The Bible said that he fashioned that calf with tools it'd be the equivalent to this there's a chocolate cake in the refrigerator mom has said don't touch that that's for dinner we got company coming tomorrow and all of a sudden in the middle of the night you get up and you cut a big chunk out of that cake and eat it the next morning mom gets up and she looks in the refrigerator and there is a chunk missing out of that chocolate cake she goes to your room and you can't deny it because you've got icing all around your mouth she said what did you do <laughs> mom it wasn't me I I, I, my, I promise mom you know you know how that chocolate cake is I opened up the refrigerator and a piece flew off and went right in my mouth and I tried to spit it out but I couldn't it's ridiculous isn't it isn't it ridiculous that we all of a sudden start saying to God that I can't help it? And God is saying this. 
I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to let me do it through you. Somebody say it with me. Let him do it through you. Now listen to this. Jeremiah wrestled with it. He said, I'm a child. What did God say? He said, don't say that. Don't, don't say that. How many of you have ever had one of your family members or somebody close to you and they said, oh man, I don't know if that's heartburn or if I'm having a heart attack. And you went, don't say that. Don't say that. What's going on? I, I, no, I got a headache. I hope that ain't a tumor. Don't say that. God is telling this young man, don't start declaring that you can't do something. I'm telling you, you can do it. You need to understand that before your mother ever conceived you, before your daddy ever saw you as a twinkle in the eye, I ordained you to be a prophet of the nations. What's he saying? He's saying, I knew you before you ever existed. I had a plan for your life before you breathed your first breath, and now all you got to do is let me do it. Don't start saying, I can't do that. I'm not able. Say, God's able. Say it with me. God's able. We can't make ourselves and we can't fix ourselves. But God can. You remember Peter is running from God. Paul is killing Christians. And they were both messed up. But when God got a hold of their lives, it changed everything. It changed everything. We can't, listen to what the scripture says in Psalms 127 and 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh, or waketh, but in vain. Everybody say, let the Lord build it. How many of you have ever started a project and you ended up having to call somebody that knew what they were doing? Let them do it. Just let them do it. I remember Debbie had so much confidence in me. We had that house built in 1980, I'm sorry, not 1980, in 1870. Our house was built in 1870. Had all these old windows, and, you know, and we had to replace all the windows. And she was saying, you know, you probably better get somebody to do that. You remember this? Kind of. And so I, I got to the point where I didn't think I could do it. So I went, see, sometimes we come in agreement with people that are telling us we can't. And what you need to do is listen to what God said. And God said you can. So I go to this contractor, and I'm, I'm trying to get a price for him to come in and put these windows in. I got 27 windows I'm trying to get a price from him. He looks at me and he said, Rick, you could do that yourself. I said, what? He said, no, I'm serious. He said, it's not hard. I said, Jim, are you? No, he said, look, you just do it. And he told me what I needed to do. He said, you'll be, you'll be doing it like that. I'll never forget. He said, you'll, you'll be putting those windows in an hour at a time. You know, it'll take you an hour for a window. You'll be whipping them out. And I'm thinking, man, I got that first window, and I was so confident. I pulled out that window out. It had those old pull chains. You know what I'm talking about? The weights on those windows. I, I, I get that out. I get it cut out. I'm getting that window, and I'm, it took me like two and a half hours. 
I got 27 of these. But by the third window, I was taking it, taking it out and putting it in within 45 minutes. Now, this is what I'm telling you. When we start out doing something for God, we feel so inadequate, we feel so insecure, just like Moses did. And, and, and it takes us a while to be able to get it done. How many of you remember how long it took you to work up enough courage to witness to your first person? You know, it took, I mean, you sat there and you prayed about it and you had, but then all of a sudden God starts doing something in you and the more you let him work through you, the easier it becomes. And now, man, you just got people lined up in Walmart. Come here, you next, you next, you next. I want, I want to talk to you. And, and telling them about who he is. This is what you've got to do. You've got to let God build the house. Everybody say, God's building me. Now watch this. If we end up getting on the wrong foundation, we're in trouble. 1 Corinthians 3 and 10. Because of God's grace to me, this is Paul speaking, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, there's, and people say, oh, you're, you're intolerant. You're, you, you believe, Christians, they, they're intolerant because they believe the only way to heaven is through Jesus. I didn't say that. He said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So if you feel like that's intolerant, take it up with him. Don't come talking to me about it because he's the one that declared it. You know what? I believe it. I believe that he's the only foundation that you can build on. And when you get the foundation sure, then everything else is going to be sure. Would you stand with me? I want you to, I want you to take a look at an apartment. It was a, a condo back in the, uh, I think it was... 2021, it collapsed. Show that, would you? You remember this? It's called the Champion Towers. It's near Miami. That thing just pancaked down. People died in that mess. You know what the sad thing was? They knew the foundation was bad. 2018, it had been inspected and they said, you got problems. They said, you've got a problem with your foundation. They said, the columns, the concrete columns holding this thing up are crumbling and cracking. They had known it for three years and didn't do anything about it. After this fell, they said, well, we were talking about it. It's a little late for the folks in it. You've got to make sure of your foundation. Take a look at this one. This is in uh, Shanghai, China. It was called the Long Lotus Riverside Compound. Look at the building. Isn't that wonderful? The building's intact. It's laying on the ground, but it's all intact. See, the problem wasn't with the building. The problem was with the foundation. 
they didn't have the foundation sure you see that building standing up beside it that's where that one was it was in line with those and then all of a sudden the foundation just gave away and the thing laid over flat where I spend eternity is too important to me to be messing with my foundation I'm not going, I, look, I'm not, fin God's not finished with me yet, but I'm going to make sure that he's got access to me. I'm asking him to inspect me every day of my life, check out my foundation, make sure that I am intact and ready for what he's already got ready for me. Everybody say it, he's still working on me. Now, this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. If, if you want God to complete the work that he started in you. If, you, if you if you're saying God I got some stuff I need I need a remodeling <laughs> I, I, I got some I got some rooms in this in, in this compound that need to be redone there's some things going on in my head that not ought to be going on in my head I'm feeling some things in my heart that I know aren't right and I can't change myself. I can't fix myself, but I know you can. God, I don't want to go through my whole life and get down to the end of it and find out that what I did didn't count for anything. I want you to think about what Paul said. He said that there is no other foundation except the one that they had laid, which is Christ Jesus. Listen to the rest of this passage. 1 Corinthians 3 and 12, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I want you to think about what he said. He said, if your work's burned up, you're still going to be saved. What's he saying? He's saying, for by grace are you saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. But... You're going to be rewarded according to your work. I don't want to have spent my life serving God and at the end of it find out that it, it was just nothing. It was just, there, it wasn't any, there's got to be value in what we do because God places value on you. You are not just debris at a job site. You're not leftover material. You, my friend, have been made and fashioned in his image, in his likeness. There's a story about a man that was at an auction, and the auctioneer held up a violin. The violin seemed old, and people began to look at it, and he said, what are my bids on this violin? And somebody yelled, I'll give a dollar, and someone else said two, and... He said, $2 for this violin? And 
No one is bidding. And finally, a man walks out of the crowd, walked up to where the auctioneer was, took the violin from the auctioneer, placed it under his chin, and began to play. He filled that place with music that was so sweet to the ear that not a sound was being made. Peace settled over everyone in there as they listened to him, carefully coming across each string, creating sounds that were registering in the soul. The man turned and he handed the violin back to the auctioneer and returned to his seat. The auctioneer said, what are my bids for this violin? Somebody in the crowd yelled, I'll give $500. Another said a thousand. And so it went on for the next several minutes until that violin sold for tens of thousands of dollars. A young man in the audience turned and looked at the person that they were standing next to and said, I don't understand what just happened. He said, that thing wouldn't bring $5 a moment ago. He said, how, how does it bring these thousands of dollars now? And the man looked at me, smiled, and he said, you just saw the worth once it's been touched by the master's hand. Oh, you, you need to hear what I'm saying. It's in you. We're made in his image. It's there. You just need to let him get a hold of you and begin to play that music in your life. Let him use you as an instrument for his glory and you watch the impact you have around you you're in this building today and you say pastor I'm ready for God to use me I want you to come to the front of this building right now we're going to pray together God, I, I, I want God I'm ready for the master to take hold of my life and begin to tune me begin to use me until it changes not only me but everyone around me going to give you a moment to come right now you need to know something about me I'll never be satisfied sitting on a pew if that's what living for God had been about I would have never come there had to be a reality to God for me and I felt that reality it apprehended me it pulled me out of a pit I was in and showed not only me, but showed everyone around me that he was bigger than all my insufficiencies. He was bigger than all my inabilities. How many of you in here today serve a God that's bigger than your mess? Raise your hand right now. As you hold it up right now, we're going to pray together. God's going to touch you, and this is your year. Say it with me. This is my year. This is the year that not only does God transform me, but he's going to use me to transform others. God's going to have such an impact on my life that everyone else around me is going to notice it and begin to inquire what happened to you. Would you stretch your hands to heaven? Are you ready for it? Come on, just raise your hands to heaven with me right now. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our life. All of my
if you would just stretch your hands like that, that just means I surrender. That's kind of like somebody sticks a gun in your back here. <laughs> Except it's not a gun. It's, it's just God's promise. I, I, when I looked at you a moment ago, I saw months of confusion. Now, I don't know what that's about, but it was like just a, a bunch of stuff that's been going on to the point that it's hard for you to even kind of figure out where you're at right now. Am I telling you the truth? Okay. Now, I don't know you. Today's the first day that I met you, but he knows you. And the only reason he told me that is so I could tell you that he's got a plan for your life, that this is not his intent for you, that there are days that you feel like, what's even the use? And God's saying, no, no, you need to know that I've got a plan for your life. I have a purpose for you. So as you stretch your hands just as high as you can get them and say, Lord, I surrender to your purpose. It's kind of like this. It's like we've all been through this where we've done it our way and our way's not working. And we recognize I can't do this on my own. I need help. And God's been waiting all the time to say, here I am. Let me do this. Are you ready for that today? God, I thank you for that. I have someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now he is healing someone he is saving someone god is doing something right now he is moving mountains making a way for someone god is doing something right This is my year. This is a year that God is going to work through my life. Come on, say it with me. That God is going to work through my life 
like he has never done before. I'm going to see his glory revealed through me. And I'm going to be grateful. <laughs> and I'm going to be thankful. And I'm going to praise him for it. Because today, he's building something new in me. He's doing something new in me right now. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. He's doing it right now. Because the potter is not done yet. He's, he's, he's working some stuff out, but he's not throwing us away. He's molding us and shaping us, but he's going to make us until we reflect his image. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in here. God bless you. Hang out. Have fellowship. Have it in here. Be respectful of the front. We're going to be praying up here, but have fellowship. You got the aisles. You got, the, you can go out in the parking lot, have a tailgate party, whatever you want to do. All right. Just spend some time loving each other. If you need prayer, come up here right now. Right now. 